Hey folks, welcome back to the DC Three Cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Vince and Zach. Zach has returned from the grave. It's good to see you, Zach. I'm zombie back. I am a zombie, though. That's true. Yeah, we'll talk about zombies next week, but this week we're going to talk about Dark Crisis oh. on Infinite Earths, number three, written. Isn't by... isn't that not until number four though? Technically, uh, our review copy, the title of it is Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, number three, and supposedly they're going to reprint the first three with that title. They are doing that, yeah, yeah. But I think the the initial this is the last issue with the initial printing that still says Dark Crisis. I correct. Think. Yes, yeah, I believe yeah. that is correct. So uh, this is written by Joshua Williamson, illustrated by Daniel Sampier. And uh, Zach, why don't you start us off talking about this one? Since we missed your sweet baby voice last week. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I am very, very, very mixed on this. Um, <laughs> I could not be more mixed. Um, first of all, I hate to do this. I hate to be the pedant. But I have to say, when I call cried foul on the Beast Boy getting getting murked in that first issue, and I said, I said, I bet they're not going to factor in the stuff from Teen Titans Academy about how <laughs> Beast Boy and Cyborg are one person, and 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 I hate to say it, but I'm right. They didn't. They didn't. <laughs> Williamson's just ignoring that, like it didn't happen, and you know that's probably the right move, but. Uh, which is Ron, wild Ron because Judy of the police are, are very upset about this. Um, <laughs> what were you going to say, Vince? I was just going to say, which is wild because... There's an there's editor's other... box that says Teen Titans Academy. <laughs> yes, there's other things in this issue. There's a couple other things where they specifically reference stories that uh, many people who are just showing up for an event probably didn't read. So... But you're right, Zach. It, I mean, you were right, and it probably is the right move. You're right about all that. It's just, it's so funny that there's a couple of things that they're they're like insistent on mentioning, and uh-huh. and other things that they just won't. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other bit that I thought was extremely funny is just the one random panel of Roy walking up to Jason and Jason being <laughs> like, "Hey, man, don't worry. We're still looking for your daughter," which is like a plot <laughs> thread from Infinite Frontier that is just. Yep been completely dropped it is they're, very funny to me <laughs> they're also doing like the broiest handshake they are. of all time in that they panel. are they are so funny um i i i don't i'm just gonna say i don't like this issue until the green lantern stuff happens in fact the only part of this issue i like is the green lantern stuff my big critique of this, I have I have a few critiques, some of which I think are more just like me and my like preferences and others I think are like more actual like issues with the comic itself. My my little nitpicky things is I like continue to dislike the way Slate is being used in this. Um I I am already like wondering who DC is going to like get to write the next Deathstroke book to like undo all to, to, to like grapple to do the like Slade grappling with being possessed by an evil cosmic entity story and I'm just like maybe they should just let Priest do that again <laughs> let, <laughs> let Priest have another run on Deathstroke I mean that's um, the right answer but yeah yeah um, the thing with this is especially knowing what we know now coming out of San Diego Comic Con about you know uh, seems like issue 4 is going to be the pivot issue where you know it's dark crisis on infinite earths and and the the it flips the script or, or whatever and the, and then we have i guess like three more issues to round out the story it's just it it it, it comes home so clearly to me that these first three issues are just prologue um and and like everything in these first three issues to me should have been in issue one like it it, it in, to some degree you know it's like the story has not moved really. And, and all of this stuff feels like things that could be in a first issue. Um, and to, and just to think that we, we are almost halfway through this book and, and so little has really happened kind of boggles the mind. Um, I, I just, I just don't really get it. 
I feel like this book needs to be longer, and especially even with it carrying the Crisis on Infinite Earth's name, I'm I'm surprised that they didn't also announce that it's going to be extended to like a twelve issue series. Yeah. yeah. Um. I think I feel like at this point it needs it. I I could be wrong, but I I just really it just really seems that way. Um. Last thing I'll say before I pass it off is I re- I really did like the Green Lantern stuff. I I loved seeing all of them together i love that they went to the black lantern and got sucked in and i'm i th- i thought I'll, i think the pairing of john uh, i mean of how kyle and joe is so good and if they wanted to make them the like main three earth green lanterns i, I would be all for it um at this point and the the um the Green Lantern Earth, the John Stewart Green Lantern Earth, is very cool, and we'll talk more about that later. Uh, next week, I believe. Yeah. Well, that. Is, yeah, yeah. So, um, I'll go next. I, I don't necessarily disagree with a lot of what you said. I think that this, I would say that the first two issues felt more like the first issue, and this feels like the second issue of an event. And no, we are nitpicking the shit out of this, right? But Absolutely, I feel like, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I feel like there are some things that happen here. Like, for instance, the um, the JSA showing up here feels exactly like the Green Lantern Corps appearing in the last issue, right? So that's like, that's a first couple of issues of a series thing that happens, right? The uh, Like the cavalry shows up. But I'll say there's a couple of things that I, I did like about this, and there are sort of smaller things in, in terms of just like the way that Williamson is using certain characters. I think his Black Adam is actually pretty good here. I mean, he's annoying, but he's kind of supposed to be like Black Adam is supposed to be a guy that even when he's right, you're pissed off because he's obnoxious about it, right? And I think so. I think his Black Adam here is actually pretty good, and I think that the move he pulls at the end by going after the Legion of Doom for help. I think that's exactly like that's the right character beat for that character. So I actually really like that. I like that bit of writing. I like the idea of the JSA showing up to be, you know, the cavalry here. But I I just think it's annoying that we knew that was coming and we saw the image. And that's literally all there is in this issue is just that image. Like I was hoping to actually get some JSA stuff, not just a splash page, but. It's a hell of a splash page by Sam Pierre, you know. Um, Welcome to the last five years of DC Comics. Right? I know, I know, and that's and that's such a bummer. Uh, just we need to get have things not be spoiled and have more stuff happen in each issue. Um, but I, have well, to I was say, specifically like, talking about the the JSA. Oh, that but, that as well. I but mean, I mean, but you're right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but ultimately, while I don't disagree with what Zach said, and I, I will echo that Green Lantern shit is dope. That's really really well done. I will say I like where everything is looking for next time. Like I think that I think the the pieces on the board now are interesting. I think that the Green Lantern thing is is interesting. I think Black Adam and his, you know, going after the Legion of Doom to help, that's interesting. I think John's team is getting is remains interesting. The JSA involved. I just think I think we're in a good place. It is frustrating. It took till the end of issue three to get to this place. I will agree with you there, but I do happen to sort of like where it's going. Um, I have I have a real pedant question of my own, but I'm gonna wait till after Vince talks to talk about it. Sure. Um, well, Zach took a lot of the words right out of my mouth. Um, uh, it's crazy how little has happened in these first three issues, and I know that like I know I've made this point before about if you're doing a crisis then you know that you should have some a lofty goal that 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 at least puts you in the realm with crisis on infinite earths and i know brian your argument in the past which i I don't think is unfair like i i don't necessarily disagree that not everything can be crisis crisis is a a crisis on infinite earths is a very place and time special thing that will never happen again. I I get that. I agree with that. But I think now, especially when you change the name to Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, you should be shooting for something. You're not going to do that same event again. It'll never have the same impact because that was that was 
the first of its kind type thing, you know, um, that was like an editorial necessitation basically that changed that really did change the entire scope of the DC universe. And nothing is ever going to be on that level again. We've talked about this a million times that like flashpoint was the closest thing to that. And that doesn't, yeah, well, and doesn't (laughs) seem like something DC wants to attempt again. I think they're right that they can make these little changes here and there and have their cake and eat it too, by, by mostly making continuity a thing that you can kind of pick and choose and play with rather than that you need a roadmap for. And, but then the, the, the consequence is when we were speculating on what that big change could mean halfway through this event, of course, everything that every place that our brains went was going to be like way beyond what was actually going to happen on the page. Right. And it turned out to just be a title change. (laughs) It seems like, um, and a title change that, that again, evokes something that, that I feel should be shooting for a grander scale of storytelling and, and maybe it's coming, but you know, a point that Zach made was uh, it would have been really interesting if they would have announced an extension of the actual event, or what if the first three issues were just called dark crisis and then there was a seven issue series or, or even more that was actually dark crisis on infinite earths where you're actually getting into it. It doesn't feel like this preamble it's not a lot of people just standing around talking. You know, when I think about the original crisis, every issue was packed with so much going on, you know, and, and, and yeah, some of it's a little bit dated as far as storytelling, like the storytelling style that we're seeing in this event is very much of the modern ilk. You couldn't go back and, and do like a, a redo of the style of storytelling that was being done in the 80s because it would seem old fashioned and I think it would turn people off. But again, as a consequence, then you, you don't have this same level of scale, I think, um, that I really want something that's going to evoke that title to have, you know. Um, that said, I, you know, I've been a little down on this event. I think this this issue individually is a little bit closer to what I wanted than the other ones in that, like, like I like the, I like the first couple pages where they're showing you like a a quick one panel summary of everything that's going on. Um, it packs a lot of different things into a page rather than having, you know, a decompressed style where, you know, the, these first three issues have been filled with just like, uh, John and Damien and, Slade and uh, Black Adam all kind of like jockeying for position or discussing the usefulness of the Justice League or fighting in this like preamble to whatever Pariah has going on. And I, I feel like the, the opening pages of this where you're seeing like you see the 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 room that has like the Black Canary poster in it and the the uh I don't know what hero that's supposed to be um, on the bed, but then you've got Titan's tower destroyed. Then you've got Constantine at the bar. Then you've got sideways of all people in, in another pan, you know, and it's just doing this like quick check-in with everybody. That is the type of thing that I wish this comic were doing more of to really fill it out and make it feel like this was this uh, grand scale thing, you know, uh, don't forget Michael Thomas Starman showing up. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's not even in my notes, but you're right. Yeah, like, um, but just just to further your point, like this does it. The, the the scope of this does feel bigger than other events in some ways because of those little characters and things showing up, and and that should be celebrated. You're right. Yeah, well, and particularly this issue, I feel like this is a thing that previous yeah. issues were taking too long to get to. You know, I feel like um, they could have this is completely changing like the rhythm of the storytelling, but they could have gone for less decompression in these early issues to really make it clear that this is a massive global level DC event where you're seeing all of these characters and how they're being affected up front. And then you're backfilling. Cause like uh, those I'm, I, I agree so much with Zach that those first two issues and even this one, for the most part, just feels so much like preamble. Like, 
the event should be the event, you know, and if you don't have enough issues for the event, make it a, I don't know. I, I, it's semantics. Like you said, we're, be, we're nitpicking, but you really do feel it. You feel the weight of, of decompression. And this issue is finally maybe starting to shake it a little. Um, but then you still have scenes where John and Damien are kind of arguing over the philosophy of the team, which I feel is, is like well-tread ground by this point for the most part. Um, that's right before the justice society, uh, yes. comes in. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I, I feel like this should be moving at a different pace. Um, what I want to say to, to piggyback on that is that I would usually be the person to argue with that comment and say, well, you know, most books, event books don't have the luxury of like, so for instance, if there's a Batman event, right? If, if there's a Batman centric story, you can seed that through Batman for a year before the event happens, right? Mm -hmm. When you're doing a story like this, it's hard to do that, except that there was a book called Infinite Frontier. And then there was a book called Justice League Incarnate that should have been doing all of this, right? right. Th to me, that is the gr is the sin. It's not that there's preamble-like stuff in here. It's that we had, what was that, at least 12 issues of preamble? Yeah. That yeah. wasn't that plus, wasn't plus death of, Yeah, plus Death of the Justice League and right, the right. Road to Dark Crisis and right. Shadow War. and <laughs> Right, so we, we, we probably had like 25 issues of of preamble at this point and a lot of that preamble to me is not as interesting as the preamble we're getting here which is maybe why i'm a little bit less mad at this because this is to me much more interesting than some of the stuff that was happening in those other titles specifically justice league incarnate like that's a book that the more i think back on it the more i just don't understand why that was a thing but that's that's another story for another day um mm -hmm. So my, my, my pedantic question for you folks is that there is something that Hal Jordan says when he encounters Pariah. And I want to get the exact wording right. So let me just pull up that page. Oh, the armor? Yes. He says, like, I've seen two people wear that armor before, and I wouldn't exactly call them friends, something like that. Who are uh -huh. the two folks that have worn that armor before? I think the Anti-Monitor and Superboy Prime. That has yeah. to be it, right? Because I, yeah. I am I am legitimately shocked that they reference Superboy Prime wearing that in this. Like that, oh, that I'm not. I don't think. Why why are you surprised by that exactly? No, because I'm not I, saying you're wrong necessarily. I'm no, just no, no, no. Because I just feel like uh, Superboy Prime is a character that is almost never referenced. He's used sometimes, but like no one ever talks about Superboy Prime. Like it's I just feel like he's either the star of the story or he's not in the story. I can't remember the last time a character like casually mentioned Superboy Prime. Um yeah, I don't know. I mean, he had that big thing in uh death metal that was in death metal right yeah. yeah i think my thing is i think like um he's such a crisis character you know like he true, it, yes. it just makes sense for him to be referenced in in a crisis level event yeah i mean yeah. i i i was wasn't sure if there was a character i was forgetting besides the two sort of obvious ones no, I don't uh, think so. Okay. I also um, who who is that new character that's putting on the mask? Uh, they got a variant cover as well. I don't think we're supposed to know. That yet. is Red Do Canary. We? Is it really? Is yes. It? They have not. Uh, uh, we, we knew this was coming, but we don't know anything about the character. I don't think. Okay, that okay. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just don't read enough uh, DC. I don't read enough news to like know that. <laughs> It doesn't matter. I mean, it really doesn't. Well, uh, that's like the that's like the blue beetle of this event, or yes, the, exactly. Or like, was it was there a um, crisis and infinite earth equivalent? Would that be the new wildcat, basically? Uh didn't possibly. she didn't she yeah. debut in crisis on infinite Yolanda? Earth? Yolanda, I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Um, but uh. Oh, should I just say something and now it's gone? Oh yeah, the, the last thing I wanted to say about this was just that there's a there's a nice bit here of uh, Williamson undoing some Bendis where Black Adam throws his cape away and is now back to his like pre 
uh, Jeff Johns, Brian Bendis version of the character. He's been wearing a cape since I think John's John's Shazam back up in Justice League. Mm. And so this is bringing him back to like his 52 look, which is not a crisis, but is crisis adjacent. So do we think that do we think that that Red Canary is somebody do, do we think that that's Roy's daughter? Um, that that's my guess. I think it's maybe too obvious, but. Let's see if they've. I'm just. I'm just looking this up now. You guys talk for a second. All right. Well, um, I guess. Go ahead. Uh, Dark Crisis writer Josh Williamson took to Twitter to reveal the first look at Red Canary, a brand new legacy character, who'll be debuting in the pages of Dark Crisis number three. The character, whose costume was designed by Dan Mora, sports a costume that pays homage to Diana Lance, Black Canary, with fishnets, leather jacket, domino mask, and bird symbols that all rendered in red and black color scheme. Um, do, 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 do. it's a great costume. Okay, so ten, ten but yeah, this uh, this article by uh, comicbook.com basically says what you said. Uh, what also makes Red Canary's debut interesting is the possibility of who could be under the domino mask, blah blah blah. Leon Harper, the daughter of Jade Cheshire and uh, Arsenal, has been introduced into canon and is viewed as a surrogate daughter to Diana in pre flashpoint continuity. Hmm. So, I think that's a very good uh pick just because you know they like you said that is a plot line that's kind of been dropped and so it would make sense if uh it's like the one thing dangling out there still that i could see getting roped in here yeah i agree with that yeah um the only other thing i wanted to say about this is is how much the legion of doom reveal uh, on the last page had me rolling my eyes not because i don't think it's fitting or like there's nothing wrong with it in a vacuum but again it made it immediately made me think oh this is just snyder justice league slash death metal <laughs> like yes right. yes i thought the plot, same thing yeah plot, absolutely punchline <laughs> it's fun very funny that punchline is at the front of legion of doom in this yes very funny yes uh yeah i thought the same thing um it's just like we can't get away from it, and it is you know Williamson was so involved with that too. So it, it you know it, it makes sense in some way, but it's also like uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't even want to get away from it. Like I, I think it's 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 a totally fine plot point. It just it just made me think like that's not much of a reveal. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, it's a good, it's a status quo. I like like I like mm-hmm. that. I like them being a group. I like them being the Legion of Doom. That's a great. I, I hate when DC feels the need to like dash that just because like, it's okay for it to still exist and have these rogues all off doing their own thing as well, you know? Right. Um, so I, I like that they still exist. I like that. It's still a thing. Um, I'm, I'm just saying like as a la- final page reveal in this, it's like, <laughs> all right, <laughs> we just, the one, the, the one thing I'll say with that is actually, I saw, I, as I was going through this issue, I realized how many, like throwbacks to other crises there are in this book, like whether mm-hmm. it's Dr. Light being there or the mention of Superboy Prime, but there's, there's a lot of like crisis stuff. And that feels like maybe a little nod to the, the metal crises. Mm. Okay. I'm not defending it. I'm just saying I, I sort of, you know, it seems like there's just a lot of <laughs> references to, to like every other crisis in here. I'm not knocking it. Either. I don't want to make it sound like I'm knocking it. I'm, I'm, it's it's a it's a net neutral that's what i'm saying okay it's not bad there's nothing wrong with it it's just like it it just is what it is it's, yeah. it's the worst part oh, of it yeah. is, is is they're using that logo still that like the, the legion of doom font yeah. <laughs> i like it not like that font um well we should probably talk about daniel sampier's art too before we move on um the uh, i think in particular and and again to tease the future episode, we'll talk about the art with Green Lanterns again, um, and and what a glow up uh, that property deserves. I think, um, but Daniel Sampier getting to draw all that Green Lantern stuff in this issue was really really nice. Yeah, Sampier is doing nice work here. The only there was only one panel in this issue that I I didn't think was great, and there's. It's when Black Adam, he's holding Count Vertigo, and he basically says, like, we have to kill this guy and hang him out front. 
and somebody says like we don't do that and just there's a panel of black adam just like screaming where he just he looks a little bit ridiculous there's that's that's literally the one panel in this issue i didn't think looked great sam pierre is an artist that before this i don't think any of us would have listed as like one of the top tier dc artists but this is certainly making a case that he can draw just about everybody in the dc universe and do it well and create tension and action within his panels like he's just he's just doing great stuff here yeah i mean i don't have a lot more to add it is it is extremely good i mean uh he he is i feel like him and um i don't know there's like one other artist at dc that i feel like has a really similar uh you know what you might call house style look that you know, kind of of like the Ivan Reyes ilk. I, I can't, for some reason, I just like can't place who I'm trying to think of right now. But it's it's very good. I like it. Is it Zermanico who's been a part of? No, it's not long- Zermanico. It's um, I can't even think of like the book I'm trying to think of. I'm so like detached from DC right now. <laughs> I don't even know who am I trying to think of. I don't know. <laughs> it'll come to it'll come to me later. Okay, well, until later, let's take a break, and we'll come back and talk about our final two books of the week, so stay tuned. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we are back to talk about the new champion of Shazam! Written by Josie Campbell, illustrated by Doc Shaner. You guys are, you know, you guys know I'm going to just, you know, jizz all over this book. So Vince, Slob. Vince, just start talking about it. Yeah. No, you you go first. I mean, this is just, this is, first of all, Doc Shaner is just, Doc Shaner is a national treasure. He's so good. His artwork is like everything I want out of superhero comics. There is bombast. There is great character emotion that can is like hidden on the page. There is some humor to it. There is movement. It is not posed in the slightest. There is, uh, is he does more with someone's face than like anyone in comics does. Just there, there's a the, the page where Mary says her name is Marina. She goes through so many emotions in that one page that yeah. it is all really subtly done and just gorgeous. This whole book is a masterclass in comics writing. Plus, we get Hoppy talking to her and just asking for carrots over and over again, which I thought was a very endearing trait. And, you know, I think Josie Campbell does a great job establishing Mary as her own character while also touching on a lot of sort of marvel family history without making it either too dense for someone to pick this up who's not super familiar with the marvel family to understand nor does it uh get nor does it ignore big things that would help with some context i think this is like the perfect level of information to um to sort of leaving your imagination to things that there is i'm just i adore this issue Someone talk before I keep going. <laughs> um, I definitely agree. I mean, I think that uh, as far as like kind of, I guess this is really sort of like the, well, okay. I was going to say this is the first big um, post John's Shazam thing that we've had, but that's not really true because we had the, titans academy stuff but yes um i feel like this is the best of like possible worlds for for you know the next big uh shazam thing for all the reasons you said you know the art is really good the writing is really is really tight and it's it's kind of a very interesting 
it's a take that's like faithful to like the recent era of Shazam and kind of like the stuff we're familiar with from the the movies and the John stuff, but it's also very different. It's it's funny because it kind of reminds me of the Shazam status quo around and after Infinite Crisis. Yes, very much so. Um, which is funny since we're at another like crisis thing right now. Um, we're going back. We are going back. We're going back um, to that. It's we're, specifically our, our, like the countdown status quo before Mary gets evil. Yeah. Um, our, our idea about all the books that were published back then, picking up where they left off, is it's happening. It's going to happen. That's instead of 5G, that's what we're going to get for sure. Um, I, I too really, the, the, the hoppy stuff was like very cute and fun, I thought. And sometimes, you know, we talk about how like writing can be a little when i you know the whole too cute debacle i feel like that's usually when it's like um being too fantasy yeah a little too twee a little too i don't know but this is just like cute in the in the literal sense and i i thought it was adorable and fun um and uh it was just a really solid first issue i think um and it got us exactly where i think we would need to be at the end of a the first issue of a four four issue series. Yeah. Um, I just want to double down on how good the art is. Um, I think, I think one thing that we do with comics, not us on the show, I don't think, but like the comics discourse in general is they mistake like pretty looking characters or handsome looking characters for good art you know, or like think that that's all that comic art is. I think a lot of times like when people are critical of art, it's because the characters are quote unquote ugly, right. Or, right, or drawn, right. drawn weirdly, you know, to their outside of the norm, right. Left of center or whatever you want to say. Doc Shaner, it Doc Shaner is like good at everything. Yep. But the characters are just so like, Everybody is so well drawn. Everybody is good looking. I don't mean that in like a like a uh, <laughs> horniness sense. Or I do recall unless Pervert's pre-show. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't mean it that way. I just mean like, I mean like like all the every the proportions are like. <laughs> Everyone's nice with it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not what I. That's not what I mean. But what I mean is like, it's just such um, confident and competent draftsmanship from just a, a pure like the way everything looks is realistic but not uncanny you know what i mean cartoony but like just with within the 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 bounds of what we would consider like normal proportions what i'm saying is like it's just this ideal clean uh style of art again like akin to Mike Allred, but they're, they're very different styles, but like just everything looks the way that it's supposed to look or the way that you imagine it looking in your mind's eye. And then also he's just so good at staging a fight scene or like you said, when, when, when Mary's got this like internal monologue going where she's deciding how to present herself at college for the first time, there's this like inner monologue. And, and so he's like, interspersing panels of her reacting to her own thoughts in the middle of this conversation she's having with these two roommates. It's just, it's so well done and so clear. Like there's never a moment in this that is unclear or wasted space. It's just so expertly done. And I feel like that's just, that's what Doc Shaner gives you every time. Um, and then the script is so good. Like, it would be hard for an artist to go wrong with this script, I think, because again, the ideas are so clear. It's this very clear coming of age type story. In essence, something we've seen done in comics, like dozens and dozens and dozens of times, but at an expert level, I think like the best version of this that you can get where the character is moving on to a new stage of their life the writer is honoring what came before making a change to it, but then, but then having the character still have some kind of tether back to it. Right. And, uh, and, and just 
well done from beginning to end. N- none of it feels uh, like a misstep or, um, or like 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 Campbell is letting the character down or or, or making some gross change to the character that that doesn't ring true. Um, and then along the way, there's all these fun little moments for people that really love the Shazam lore to, to kind of grab onto. Like the minute I saw that bunny, the minute I saw Hoppy, like as the roommate's pet, I immediately knew because like animal companions have always been a thing. Um, and Hoppy is also a longstanding Marvel family character. Right. But like just seeing the bunny alone, right. even if, even if yeah. they didn't give the name, you know what I mean? Of course. Yeah. Like you just knew something was going to be up with that. Um, and it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's just really sweet how that all played out. Um, yeah, I think we're all gushing over this one. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's and, just... and mercifully four issues long. Like, I, I don't imagine that this is going to feel decompressed. This is going to be a nice little trade at the end that. Yeah, but I want uh, it to be a nice long, long ongoing. Well, at the end. well <laughs> I mean, ideally I'm just, I'm a realist. That's just not the way things happen now <laughs> we had 50 issues with deathstroke let me believe okay i would much prefer it would be so great this is me getting on my like publishing style bullshit thing but like it would be so great if dc and marvel decided that the four issue mini was the way to go and then you could pack in three in one year if you felt like right if you felt like you're having to slot these things in like they're you know you've got the big board and it's like it's like a you know, okay, we're going to be running this book for this many months. This book for this. You're picturing Lord, Lord Michael's office for SNL. <laughs> I didn't want to say SNL, but that's exactly what I was thinking. I know. Of. I know you do well. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, are you, uh, who are we going to sketch here? Uh, sorry, Keenan, we're going to cut your. Uh... Yeah. Um... What's up with that? No, no, that was Johnny Carson. That was Johnny Carson. That was just bad. Yeah, yeah, that was that was Johnny Carson. Yeah. You got to just think, Doctor Evil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but but you know what I'm saying, like. Like you could fit more of these in if you did four issue minis and the, the, the bonus of it all would be, they would not feel decompressed. I think. Yeah, I agree with that. It's going to be, remember, like, do you remember my bit about how all comics should be quarterly now and there should just be four oversized issues every year of all yes. comics. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What made me think that? What book made me think um, that? Was it something recent? Yeah, I forget what it was now. I don't know. Something big. Oh, it was the it was the X Men Hellfire Gala thing. That oh just yeah, came out. Right. of yeah. course it was. Yeah, yeah. and it was just yeah. one issue that told a whole story, complete story, and and would have been enough to tide me over for three months. So yeah. By the way, Zach, did you see your boy Hickman has a COVID right now? Nah, poor guy. Yeah, he can't the best of us. He had to cancel his C two E two appearance because of it. Ah, uh, bummer. Yeah. Well, good thing I'm not going. That's true. You'd be very disappointed if you were going. I would be, yeah, because I'd I'd want to be doing that three worlds, three moon stuff, even though I have <laughs> do not care. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, that brings us to our final issue of the day, which is sort of Asriel number one, written by Dan Waters and illustrated by. Nicola, I, I don't know. Sismasia, Sismasia, Sufian Stevens, <laughs> Sufian Stevens, Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. That's bringing us way back. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Vincey, why don't you start us off talking about this? Well, I, where did we see Sismasia's art? I think it was um, in the um, Urban Legends story. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, let's check. It's in the drive. We, we can, yeah. or the, the box. You, you do that while, while we talk. Go ahead. I, I really like his art because um, here's a case of somebody that is sacrificed. Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. Here's a case of somebody that is sacrificing like the proper proportions and um, things, things looking like, uh, going for realism for going for just being cool all the time. <laughs> and I think to contrast that with, with Doc Shaner works pretty well because 
for what sort of Asriel is going for, that works perfectly. Like I, I just love looking at this book, even though a, a good bit of it is just really sketchy and, and um, the proportions are off and some stuff is under rendered on purpose. But I think like it's, everything is done with intention. You know, I think you see artists that are doing quick fill-ins or getting into sloppy mode and um used proportions to be a real piece are, of shit. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brian, you don't even get that one. <laughs> I've seen that clip. I have seen that oh, clip. Okay. Okay. All right. Very good. Well then you need to watch the rest because now the gag is over. So um <laughs> but uh but uh but yeah you know it's 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 um other artists maybe fall into this uh problems with proportion and it's not done with intention it's just the it's the way they draw and it 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 doesn't coalesce with the writing in any way or the theme of the book but i feel like employed here it works so perfectly uh for asriel as this like uh <laughs> as this um berserk style anime or manga like take on this which is very much what this is um and uh so i just love the way that this looks and uh waters has a way of again i feel like most writers that try to write this sort of um medieval or ancient uh ancient religious order type storytelling uh, have a way of getting bogged down in the, in the details and, and being very drab about the writing and um, either they go for too flowery of language or just, just too dry and detailed in its explanation of the backstory and the lore. And this doesn't do any of that. Any lore dump is just, it's done either in a very like visually forward way or in a very light, not dialogue or word heavy way, you know, throughout this thing, uh, Jean Paul Valley is, is recalling the way that all these saints died or something like that. Right. Is that, mm -hmm. is that yes, the gag? Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's all done very swiftly and breezily. It doesn't, I could imagine another writer taking it and just falling in love with the idea too much and, and dwelling too much on that in the writing and waters doesn't do that at all. Um, I think Waters is too smart of a writer to do that. Um, and it ends up being just a very, very cool, fun, very different. I'm sure, I'm sure maybe uh, Jean-Paul will get whisked back to Gotham by the end of this. But the fact that it takes place in this different setting, this like cliffside monastery, just really, really interesting looking and feeling book. It doesn't feel like anything else at DC right now. So the dream sequence with like the berserk eyeball multi-eyed character. Like, I, I don't know how to describe the, that, but the it's very accurate angel thing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I think that the, um, the whole religious element of this is handled really well where, you know, I think sometimes like you were saying, Vincey, there, there tends to be, the writer feels like they have to give somebody like a treatise on whatever religion they're talking about, or if they're inventing a religion, they have to try to make it like, I don't know. Accurate is the wrong word. You understand what I'm saying? They have to, yeah. and this doesn't do that at all, but this does have a lot of like interesting Christian imagery in it in a very subtle way, whether it's like that, that dream he has where he's falling through the stained glass windows. Like that's really cool. Or as Zach mentioned, the biblically, biblically accurate angel, there's there's some of that stuff that that just really really falls off the just just, just leaps off the page at you. It looks really cool, but even the the scenes that are just more mundane of the you know the monastic life, even those scenes are just illustrated in a really fun way. There's a lot of stuff in this book that looks insane in the best possible. Like the last page of the flaming sword, like taking down the the monks, just. It's a beautiful, insane page, and there's so much in this book that looks just fun and full of movement, and it's definitely you know, manga-inspired, but I think it's also just, this reminds me a lot of sort of the, the late 80s 
DC artwork where you got people who just weren't afraid to make their books look unique is the wrong word, but just it wasn't there. I feel like the late 80s and early 90s with the influence of Vertigo on the main line and vice versa, there were some books that just looked totally outside of house style. And it's it, it's been too long since we had books like that. You know, occasionally there's a book that will look totally different than everything else being published. But back then there used to be three or four books that would that didn't look like they were from the same publishing house, let alone come out in the same month. And so this gives me a little bit of a vibe of that. And um, you know, Asriel's a character I don't really have a ton of affinity for, even though I love the era of from which he comes. But I think that this is a really compelling Asriel story. And I, I I just I'm enjoying it so much. I hope Dan Waters is to write Asriel for a long time in these different iterations, you know, whether it's the uh the urban legend stories or the miniseries or whatever. Yeah, I don't I don't want to be too reductive, but the art here I think is almost a little Rosmo esque. I don't I don't know if anybody else got yes. that vibe. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think the writing is really fun. I do like Asriel a lot. Um, I just think like he just he just looks cool. He's just a a great design. Um, I, I've always thought that either just like base Asriel or like Bat Asriel are, are both of the, are just such good designs. Um, and yeah, I I mean I, I I guess I don't have a lot more to add to what other what you guys said I, I do think the writing is really solid i think the uh the depiction of like the monastic life is is very interesting i i like this idea of like jean paul valley delving into the system that is asriel within him and and doing that through this use of like religious imagery is is very specific you know specific specifically christian imagery is is fun and interesting for the character um, without being like very ham fisted, which I feel like is another, you know, we've talked before about um, like uh, kingdom come being like a very ham fisted use of religious themes and imagery. And I, and I feel like this, this does it a little bit less, uh, you know, heavy, heavy handedly. Um so I yeah I'm here for this I I would love for Waters to get to keep doing Asriel minis until he has a hundred issues of Asriel. <laughs> there it is four That's issue minis too. Don't four, yeah. Well, I, think this, I think this one is uh, this is a sixer, six, I think. Yeah, oh, boy, it's gonna it's gonna get decompressed. <laughs> cut cut it by two, please. Maybe maybe yeah. If he could just do twenty five four issue series, that would be great. <laughs> um. Those would be nice trades sitting on my shelf. I wonder uh, when this gets collected, do you think it will have the uh, one shot in it as well? Yes, I do. I um, this will be more of a conversation that we're going to have on next week's episode. But I, I have some questions about the way DC is handling uh, or is going to handle a lot of these um, because they have so many like anthology series with recurring characters and, and teams, I wonder how that is being handled on the, co the collected side of things. I'm into looking at yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, and I guess I have time to, cause we're not going to record for a whole other week. Ha ha exactly. ha. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of that whole other week, Vincey, what's coming out that week? Ah, Jesus. Um, <clears throat> Uh, vamp for a little while, okay. It just it amazes me that you are still uh, Shut up. basically Lucille Bluth with Gene Parmesan showing up. Where this just shocks you every time it happens. Shut the fuck up. What week is it going to be? The ninth. The ninth. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I got it. Batgirls nine, Batman Urban Legends eighteen, Blood Syndicate number four, Dark Crisis World Without a Justice League, Green Lantern. Uh, De Deceased War of the Undead Gods 1, Future State Gotham 16, Harley Quinn 19, I Am Batman 12, Naomi Season 2 6, Nubia Queen of the Amazons 3, Superman Son of Kal-El 14, The Jurassic League 4, and Wonder Woman 790. 
That's a week of comics. By the way, we should mention, we should pour one out that Future State Gotham is ending in October, finally. Mm. So 18 issues is a way better run than I think any of us anticipated for that book. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I I will not read it, probably. <laughs> nope. But I, it looks nice, I'm too. I'm amazed that it... it I, I just... I don't understand what the point of that book was. <laughs> my um, my crackpot theory is that the future state world is one of the worlds that will die in Dark Crisis. And that's why the book had to end, because that world's going to die. Oh, interesting. Is that its own world now? Isn't everything its own world? I mean, yeah. I don't know. Is De- Is Deceased one of the 52 Earths? Uh, I think so. See? See? It's a better question than you thought it was. I guess so. Well, if you want to hound two-thirds of us about pedantic shit like that on Twitter, I am a, I am at Brian Izanap. And I am at the Woke of Z. If you need to find Vince, he is not on Twitter, as everyone obviously knows. But um, he is right now... Um, uh, I don't have a good gag here. Zach, what's Vince doing right now? Sending Zach edibles through the mail. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please break internet. Please break uh, law, a law by shipping illegal things across state lines. I'll have, this this podcast will now begin with like the beginning of the serial podcast. Like this is a call to uh, whatever collect call from prison, so I can talk to you criminals behind bars. But yeah, that's that. Uh, thanks for listening, folks. We'll be back next week, and uh, take care. One time, one time, I saw his dick, and he said, "Look, but don't laugh." <laughs> <laughs> wow! Wow! <laughs>